0: trail fam welcome back to the show i'm your host dylan bowman joined today by one of the true icons of the sport one of the best to ever do it the four-time utmb champion francois dane is here to give us a glimpse into what has made him so successful and so consistent over the course of his long and illustrious career. Uh, We covered his origin story, his recent departure from the winemaking business. We talked about fatherhood, living a balanced life and how that has helped him as an athlete. We talked about some of the biggest mistakes and learnings that he's had over the course of his career. Of course, we also panter about Hard Rock and UTMB, his friendship with Jim Walmsley and the 2022 season with his calendar for the year recently announced over on his Instagram. I have to say it was a great honor to have Francois on the podcast. Like many of you, I have huge admiration for him and I'm grateful that he would come on the show to share a little wisdom with us. Hope you guys enjoy the conversation. As always, the Free Trail Podcast is presented by Speedland. And these are the final days of the SLPDX. This time next week, they will be wiped off the face of the earth, never to be seen again. That's right. On Wednesday, March 16th, the SLPDX will be replaced by the SLHSV, the new commission from Speedland, inspired by the trails in the Southeast, specifically Huntsville, Alabama. The second shoe from Speedland is right around the corner and it's absolutely fire. We cannot wait. To release this into the world again pre-orders will begin march 16th with delivery hopefully in late april but if you want to get a pair of the slpdx you should do so now because they'll soon be gone and when they're gone they're gone for good existing as collector's items for the rest of time so don't miss out visit runspeedland.com and pick up one of the few remaining pairs today. Thanks so much to Speedland for their support of the show. Okay. Please enjoy this episode with the great Francois Dane. Catch you guys in the outro. Francois, bonjour. Welcome to the podcast. It's nice to see you.
1: Thanks. Nice to see you again. Yes. Not on the trail this time?
0: <laughs> Not on the trail. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, sitting in your in your car, in your vehicle, <laughs> and uh, it's morning time here in the United States, and I'm really grateful that you would uh, carve out a little time in your busy schedule to chat with us on the podcast. I'm sure there's a lot of... American trail runners who are looking forward to hearing from you. But, you know, obviously, uh, we all know you as this great champion of the sport, but I don't think many people know kind of your origin story or your background. So I wanted to start there. Can you sort of give a description of your early years in your childhood and uh, how you ultimately developed into this great athlete?
1: Yeah, so I was, uh, no, like a uh, normal children, <laughs> but uh, yes, I was fascinated about uh, athletics since uh, since long time. I think I started uh, in a, um, yes in a small my small village. Uh, I was like eight years old, and I was uh, already passionate about um, why the why the bigger run uh, can make the bigger loop and uh, why I can't. So I was uh, already interested in about doing like eight uh, k when. Uh, I'm just allowed to do five and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I did, uh, yes, some cross country and then uh, I continued with athletics and then I did a uh, 3,000 steeplechase until uh, like 16 or 17 years old.
0: So at what point did you sort of find your your skills and your passion on the trail?
1: Uh, then uh, I was interesting about um, cross-country, about uh, steeplechase and something like that. But uh, I was more interesting about uh, being in a group with uh, many friends. And uh, yes, I joined, I joined the team and we have many, many moments of pleasure. But it was in bicycle or in ski. Uh, and I was thinking maybe I'm not really passionate about uh Athletics, and cross country, and what I what I really enjoy, it's more about like endurance, being uh, being out, uh, being able to go in the mountains and wherever I want. And then when I was like uh, seventeen years old, my friends start to have uh, like the license, uh, driving license, and then me too. So our possibility uh, getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and the mountain was not so far. So I say, okay, this is a place where I really want to be and not in a stadium or not on the road. Uh, And uh, it started like, yes, it was uh, 18 years uh, I was 18 years old. It was, yes, 20 years ago now.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And you and I are about the same age. And I think this new generation of trail and ultra runners really looks up to you in particular, and I'm wondering, were there any athletes as you were growing up that you were looking up to, or any coaches who provided a significant influence into the ultimate career that you took as a professional athlete?
1: Uh, I was, uh, yes, I was doing a physio, uh, physio study at the same time. And uh, yes, I was always, uh, have a good uh, good influence with coaches in athletics, and I uh, was really interesting about uh, why we have to do this interval training or why we have to do this and this and this. So I was really interesting about that. But when I started running, uh, yes, it was 20 years ago and there's not a lot of race. I think it was the uh, second or the first edition of UTMB uh, So it was really, really the beginning and uh, it was more about uh, being in the mountain for some long days and be able to play and we nobody have experience in ultra trial and so we start slowly and slowly and slowly and for me it was like from yeah from five to six years just to to experience myself and be able to yeah to discover how it works and then uh, it was in 2010 uh, I, I was integrated in the in the Salomon team, but uh, like uh, like a rookie, and uh, and then they say okay, uh, it could be nice to try to to explore together your possibility, to explore together how it works in ultra Try and then I start to work with uh, my coach Christophe Malardet. He's still my coach actually, so it's uh, more than thirteen years. Yeah, 13 years that we work together. but I think we, yes, we discover the sport and the ultra trial together. At the beginning, we we try something, we try to make something with me like uh, air trade or like uh, interval training or something. I said, no way, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and so we experience it together, and now I have very uh, like uh, individual um, program and we discuss it more about uh, we discuss together like each week or each free week and about uh, my season globally and how to plan it and how to put some uh, like big goals or not. And if it's too much or not enough, Yeah, it's more, it's more about a discussion that just that you have to do it uh, on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. No, I, I, I like to be free and with my life and the children, it's weird for me to <laughs> of something very well scheduled.
0: Yeah, okay. I was going to ask you about this because you have such a calm disposition to you and it doesn't seem like you're the type of person who gets overly scientific with the metrics of your training, the kilometers and the vertical. How do you balance the specific metrics, the measurables of your training with this more instinctual feeling uh that you're aiming for as an athlete
1: I think it it depends on everybody I know some athletes they really need the the mathematics the scientific uh, the earth rate how they train how many kilometers they do by week and for me um yeah I switched to try running from mathematics to running just to be able to be free and to don't have this kind of method of interval or something like that so i know i know very really well how to do that because i, I studied I, I was in physio and i was in uh, yes in, uh, in high school about the uh, sport so i really know how it works about uh, lactic about everything but uh, my way to practice is not that i, I prefer um, you know feel feel uh feel my body and uh and what i like the most in if i have to do only two hours maybe i won't reach the summit and for me when i go out it's to go to this summit or this summit or this summit yeah. and if i have to do only two hours maybe i have to stop and go back and for <laughs> me it's not my my way to train and my way to have pleasure so yeah. of course i try to uh I try to quantify and qualify. And yes, if I prepare a big goal, I try to program it in my calendar and I have I have some bigger interval of rest and a big volume and of course, but uh, but yes, I, I try to feel um, as much as possible my, my body.
0: Yeah. So I wanna talk a little bit more about your training a little later, but I wanted to also discuss this career transition that you're experiencing right now. You announced in October that you were gonna be uh, not pursuing your traditional life as a winemaker anymore and that your family was gonna be pursuing new projects in the future. Talk about that decision. What led you and your family to come to the conclusion that it was time to leave that part of your life uh, in, in the past? And what are your plans for the future?
1: Uh, Plans for the future are multiple, <laughs> so we don't know exactly what we will do. Uh, for sure, we will uh, we will do something uh, linked with the nature and the sport and ultra trial So we will try to to create some events. We will try to create some stage, and we will, for sure, try to be together with my wife in the in the mountain and um, and doing something together. But the the wine yard was uh, was a bit like that. It was twelve years ago. And we decided uh, because she uh, she had her own job and I have my own job with physio and we were um, too much separate and not enough uh, in contact with the nature. So we decided that uh, with the vineyard, it's a good possibility for us to to, to feel the roots, to feel the nature, to feel how it works. And because, uh, the wine for us, it's a good, uh, social thing. So it's a, it's a good link between people. And when people drink a glass of wine, they always enjoy it. And there's something special. So for us, it was really, really interesting. And we continue to do this, and we continue to have this kind of project, and and uh, with the environment and everything, we, we we bring the wine from the valley to the earth uh, by foot instead of helicopter. So we continue to have this kind of project, and we still have uh, at least two million to sell. So we we continue to to sell a bit the wine, but we we don't. Um, we don't make the harvest anymore, and we don't have the exploitation anymore. And for us, it's it's sure it's more easy because uh, because uh, it, it's not far from from where we live actually in the Bouches. It's only three hours of driving, but uh, but for us, it was, for me it was a lot, and for the children it was a lot too because they have to change school. Um, in uh in november or december and then they have to change again in april so for them it's a, it's some big changes yeah so now yes it's easier for the family we we sleep always in the same house and and it's better for us and even for the um, environmental impact it's it's better for me because uh i was driving a lot a lot a lot a lot and now it's it's really more easy for me so i have more time to train and uh it was necessary because uh, sometimes I meet some very nice athletes like you in hard work and <laughs> if I don't have enough time to train, uh, then uh, I can I can stay in the leader.
0: Yeah, well, I think this is a really interesting topic of conversation because you just mentioned that you got into trail running 20 years ago and it was the really the earliest days of the professionalization of the sport and now Now in your mid thirties, you're one of the greatest athletes of all time. And the sport has developed to the point where someone like you doesn't necessarily need to have a job as a winemaker, but you kept that part of your life for a long time. And it sounds like even though you're leaving that in the past, you're still going to have new different projects and work outside of your life as an athlete. Can you just talk about the balance that that provides? Because I think... In this new generation, there's so many more opportunities for younger athletes to be full-time professionals, but you've never taken that path, even though you're one of the best. What was the the benefit of having your life as a winemaker and how did it enhance your life as an athlete?
1: Yeah, for me, it was a choice from the beginning. And uh, and even now, uh, I, as you say, if I want, it's, I, I can stop um and just be a professional athlete, but I, I don't want to have that. And we we choose to have three children, and we have no regret about that, even if it's a lot of job. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, for me, it was really a choice and a balance. Uh, of course, it's not easy every day, but, uh, but for me and my wife, um, it's very important because we have a common activity, and we have a link with those other people, and we have some social activity, and uh, it's very, very important for us. And uh, yes, I choose this sport because I think it's uh, maybe one of the only sports where you can, uh, when you can continue to have uh, a normal life and then a a professional uh, athlete life. So for me, it's very important to keep that. And I I really want to push that to have a, a social life, to have some friends, to have a job, to have a family. I think it's very, very, very important. And uh, yes, since, uh, since the beginning, it's always the same. And even now, if we stop the wine, we have many, many projects still about the wine, but about creating some event, about creating a, a stage. And and yes, we we want to continue to have uh, different topics to, to do together.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great lesson for the younger athletes coming up in this new generation to make sure that they're well- rounded and have projects outside of sport and I think you've exemplified that in your career. You've talked about your family a couple of times and I think one of the things that people really admire about you in addition to being a great athlete and a winemaker is that you're a family man and a father of three as you mentioned um, talk about yeah,
1: but it, it's true it's not uh, it's not easy every day and yeah. for some people it could be it could be possible to be professional athletes. But uh, we have to understand that if you are only athlete and only professional athlete, you have only that. So it, it's put on uh, you a lot of pressure. And for me, I think he, with me and my feelings, it was not possible to, to feel that Just I'm just a professional athlete. Yeah. Because when you start a race, okay, I'm here, I'm a professional athlete. I'm here to win. I train for that. My life is just about that. So I have to win. And I start the race. It's just about winning. And for me, and it's true, Uh, when I, uh, at the beginning of a race, I say, okay, I have to start the race. If I win, it's wonderful. But if not, tomorrow I will bring my kid to the school. I will go to the vineyard. I have my other job and it's just a pleasure for me. Uh And sport is very, very important, but sport is maybe the, the main important thing of the secondary things. And for me, it was very, very important to have this in my head but for some other people maybe they are able to to assume it to say okay i i want to be a professional athlete i can have the pressure on me and i can do that and for example everybody know kilian uh, Jornet. from the beginning he said i want to be a professional athlete i want to do only sport i want to focus everything on my training and you have no problem with that you have the pressure for the beginning and he can assume it and he was you have a wonderful career. Yeah. But for me, it was my choice to say, okay, no, I don't want to assume it. I, okay, I, I practice sports as a professional. I train a lot, but uh, but I have some other thing. And for me, it's helped a lot to perform.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. So going back to this topic of fatherhood, how has being a father influenced your career as an athlete? And how important has your family been to your success?
1: Uh, it's, uh, it's a bit strange. Uh, because when, yeah, uh, I think my three, my three best years, it was when the kids just arrived. And normally everybody say, ah, you will be so tired. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of job. But for me, it gave me a lot, a lot of energy. And my three best years was just when the three kids were born. Uh, but yes, of course, um, yeah, it's it's not good for sleeping. It's not good for training. It's not good to focus on yourself. But uh, but they give you a lot of energy, and then if yeah, sometimes they are they are here in the race, like in UTMB this year. It was just wow, wonderful for me. Yeah. And then I share some many many good moments with them. And uh, and for me, yes, yes, I was always fascinated about kids. So so it was yes, very very nice and important to to be able to have them with me.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite memories from this year's UTMB was seeing your family on the dirt road above LaZouche. And your young son screaming "Ale papa, ale papa," <laughs> and then the picture of them greeting you at the finish, just uh, really beautiful. And again, I think it just is uh, a great example to set for the community to be a well-rounded person, have a career outside of sport, have a a family who you know is integral to your success, and to be a a normal person. And um, I had Jim on the podcast recently, and we talked at length about your guys' friendship with one another and it's clear that he has enormous respect for you I wondered if you wanted to share any reflections on your friendship with Jim and maybe how he's inspired you to be a better athlete
1: no it was uh yeah I really uh, I think it's a very very good athlete and I was really yes impressed by his, his performance and um and for me, it was really interesting because uh, the, the brother of my wife is not like Jim, but a bit like that. He has some incredible, incredible uh, physical, physical capacity. But uh, in ultra trials, sometimes it's hard to transform it.
0: Nice.
1: And for Jim, it was a bit like that because when you see how he can perform on 100K, it's just incredible. Yeah. How he can perform on Western States, it's just incredible. And so we discussed a lot about Ultra Trail, about the mountain and he paced me in hard work and he joined me in the Pacific Quest Trail. And last year I was really, really, really confident about him, about UTMB. And uh, I was, uh, I was yes, like 80% sure that he can win. Yeah. I was so happy. So we start together and we do it. And then, um, yes, it's hard because Ultra Trail is, there's always something like different, something things happen and and maybe he push maybe too much energy in that. And so for me, it's a, it's a very, very big challenge to, yes, to train with him and to, to understand why, why he can't, uh, why uh, for the moment, I hope he will win one day, but why for the moment he, he was not able to transform in UTV. Uh, for sure, Western sites is six or less. But uh, it's 100 miles too. So, yes, I hope it's not just uh, about six more hours. It's, uh, I think it's uh, some daytime, some settings. And um, yes, we will spend some many hours in, in the Alps this summer. And I think we, yes, we will be able to make some very good things. But uh, yeah, it's strange because I have exactly the same problem with some friends of me. They are just incredible runners. But uh, yes, after 10 hours, after 14 hours, it's uh, just some things happen. Uh, I don't know if it's mentally or physically, but uh, it's hard for them, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think it's another great example of the spirit of the sport that two of the greats of all time can remain friends while maintaining a competitive rivalry. And you've just alluded to the fact that you and Jim will spend time together in the Alps this summer. Of course, you're referencing the fact that he's going to be moving over to France with his fiance, Jess, here soon in the next couple of months. Uh, have you spoken to him recently? And how is the French trail community uh, feeling about welcoming one of the great American champions as he tries to improve upon his performances at UTMB and hopefully win someday?
1: I think he will a very good welcome, but I think for all the American athletes, for all the international athletes, I think in France, uh, the community is very, very welcoming. Uh, sometimes it's hard even for some French runners because they feel uh, less, uh, less interesting than, uh, than American or some other people. But I'm really, really sure, yes, he will have a good a welcome in France. And uh, yes, we discussed together because I think he, he will find a house not far from mine, so we will be able to train a lot of time. And I think the place where I live actually it's uh, it's very nice for him because there's very some beautiful mountain. Yeah. And yes, in the past year, we enjoyed some um, some run uh, run hard work, and I think uh, yeah, he will uh, he will be able to enjoy some training with me. Yeah. but no, I, I'm I'm really sure that the French community is so happy to uh, to have some uh, American athlete like you or Jim or even Anton in the past, and uh, they they will be yes, we really happy to to meet him in person, and uh, yeah, it's for people, it's uh, yeah. When you when you come from from somewhere else, it's you are very different. You train different, and and even in UTMB, people they say, yeah, oh, okay, uh, American guys they cannot swim because uh, yeah, it's they train differently. But no, I I don't think so because we yeah. we have the yeah the same uh, same same mountain in France and in, in in US we can have the same training if we want. So I think it's a uh, yes, it's just. Yeah. Um, a, b- a bad luck and some. It will change very soon. Yeah. But uh, yes, I'm really sure that uh, yes, we can. We can have the same spirit about winning uh No matter if you come from US or France or, or Russia or everywhere in yeah. the world. Uh, yeah. No matter.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, I think he's taking a very intelligent approach to move over there to give UTMB his full focus. And certainly in the US, we're all rooting for him to finally deliver a victory for our proud country. But let's talk about this past but season. Courtney oh yeah, Courtney well, I mean, on yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, Courtney, of course it goes without saying one of the great champions of all time, plus Rory Bozio and, and Chrissy Mayle and other Americans on the women's side who've won the race. But soon enough, the American men will <laughs> deliver a victory. <laughs> someday, sure. anyway. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Gnarly Nutrition. Are you guys training for your next big race? Has the 2022 season started yet? Well, Gnarly Nutrition gets it. They know where you're at because this is a team filled with mountain sport athletes, just like you and I, and with a full line of NSF certified products that are natural, effective, and delicious. Gnarly knows what it takes to cross the finish line. So when you are planning your training nutrition, organizing your crew support and drop bags, or thinking about your post-run recovery, I would encourage you to reach for Gnarly Nutrition. You guys have heard me talk about the Fuel2O drink mix a lot. I also love the Gnarly BCAAs. I've come to learn that branch chain amino acids are critical to muscle health and muscle recovery. And honestly, I've noticed a big difference in my recovery since I started using this drink mix on pretty much a daily basis. So, check out the Gnarly BCAAs, check out the Fuel 2O, go visit Gonarly.com, use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off your order. Gonarly.com, FREETRAIL15. FREETRAIL is grateful to have the support of Inside Tracker. As trail runners, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood, literally and figuratively. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build your endurance, to boost your energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, your DNA, and your fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and critically where you're not, where you can improve, you will get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, the right nutrition, the right supplementation for your unique body. And for all the Fitbit and Garmin users out there like me, you can connect Inside Tracker to your device to unlock real time recovery tips after completing your workout. It's like having your own. Personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. It's so cool. I'm doing my Inside Tracker test this week and we will keep you all posted on the results and what we learned from it. For a limited time, you can too get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash free for 20% off. InsideTracker.com forward slash free Let's, uh, let's talk about this past season. Uh, of course you did something that, I mean, even though you've been so consistent and so successful, I was honestly really surprised that you were able to win both hard rock and UTMB back to back. So let's talk about those races, starting with hard rock. Of course, you just mentioned that Jim pasty there. That was probably a pretty cool experience. And I was chasing you for 22 hours. Um, But really, you were able to deliver one of the best performances in ultra running history. I think, obviously, uh, securing the course record at Hard Rock by a huge margin. What do you think went into that performance for you? I think we had good conditions that day. But still, the time that you ran on that course is something that, you know, is unprecedented. So w- talk about the, the hard rock performance for you and what you think made it so, uh, so successful.
1: Yeah, for me, as you mentioned, I think the, the condition were good, but, uh, but I think it's not just about the condition because I think in the, isn't last year, yes, I think the condition were, were there too so i think it's it's more about our approach i think if if i can i can speak about me but uh i i feel the same about you i think that at the start we were so happy to be there and it was very uh, a big pleasure for us to to take part of this big party and hard work for us was a was a goal since many years i think and it was very very important for us to be there and so for me uh, when i start I was not thinking about performance, about time, about place. I was just happy to be there. And I just want to enjoy. And all the community around us was a bit like that. They say, OK, enjoy it. Take care. Have a great day. and It's your day and you are lucky to be there. And I was, to be honest, I was really in that position just to say, OK, Enjoy it, and I know I was able to run with Dakota Jones. It's a, it's a, it's a big friend of me, and I was so happy to share some part with him during the night. And I know that Jim is waiting for me at the middle of the race, so I was I was really really happy about that. And yeah, it was for me. It was a, yeah, it was sunny, and we have a small storm at the middle, but otherwise the condition was so nice, and we can enjoy some very very nice mountain. So I think it's a part of the performance. Just because we were not thinking about uh, about the place, about the time, we were just one hundred percent in our race and focused on taking pleasure and be yes, yeah, be happy to be there. And, and I think it's the, it's the key of the it's the key of the performance.
0: I totally agree. I mean, for me, it was one of the best races of my career too, and I had the same psychology at the start line of just being so happy to be there not scared about how tough the course was or how far we had to run but just happy to be there and I think that was ultimately that psychology that feeling and that vibe was what ultimately made me have a good race too but yeah I mean it's so funny to sort of think about because you know, it took two and a half years for us to actually get to the start line after getting drawn in the lottery, after two cancellations of the race. And uh, by the time I got to the finish line and kissed the rock, it was like, man, that went by so fast. You know, it was over before it started, it, feel like, it felt like to me.
1: Yeah, it was exactly the same until, uh, yes, I think, until, uh, yes, you uh, were, and then we go to the right? And to tell you right, I, I was not thinking about course record and about everything. I said, okay, I I just try to take care of myself. I know there's some very high passes. I have to take care of my alimentation of everything. And then after people they say it again and again and again. Say, okay, okay, okay maybe I will do some very good thing. Yeah. And yes, I was thinking about it. And but uh, yeah, and and because we were very close each other, and with the pacer. I think it's helped a lot to to perform and to have uh, some very good uh, good performance, yeah. because I think if there's no pressure, maybe we were we we had to run together, uh, and maybe we discuss and we take more time. And for sure, the, the the time at the finish won't be the won't be the same because I think we we were more together and more like yeah. sorry maybe. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, I remember at Uray, when my pacer told me that we were well ahead of course record pace. And I was just like, oh, no, I didn't mean to go this fast. Yeah. And ultimately, I think, uh, yeah, that good <laughs> feelings. Yeah, it, uh, it
1: was a bit stressful event for me because, yes, I was, uh, I, I was thinking the same. I was thinking, yes, it's... Uh, <laughs> Too fast. Maybe it's too, it's too much. It's too fast. And maybe, yeah, because Kylian's time is not nothing. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking, okay, maybe if uh, Kylian's time, it's, uh, it's one hour or more. Well, maybe we are too fast and yeah, maybe yeah. we made some mistake
0: Yeah, but it was the good feeling and the good weather. Uh, those, yeah. those things came together to give us great days. So let's talk about UTMB. Of course, that was only six weeks after hard rock. And again, I wasn't surprised that you won hard rock in such a fast time, but to be honest, I was surprised that you were able to do both back to back to win both, especially because the density of competition at UTMB is unlike any other race in the world. Tell me about your psychology before the race. Did you feel mentally and physically recovered from hard rock or at the start line? Did you have any lack of confidence that you'd be able to achieve a victory?
1: Uh, it's 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 a bit uh, yeah more complex than that. It's just uh, because my challenge was to running back to back hard work in the UGMB. so I was not um, stressful about the the results. Of course, I want to I want to do as much. Uh, winning or something like that, but uh, but when after the hard work I said okay I want hard work so it's, I was so lucky I was so happy about the results and everything so I, I have no pressure about UTMB and then when you start a race without pressure it's it's really easier to perform. So because my goal was really yes to to be able to yes to, to accomplish this challenge I I have a, a little bit less pressure. But yes, of course. I uh, I was not recovered from hard work. Sure, uh, yes, physically and mentally, I was uh, yes I was tired after hard work, and uh, I have not enough recovery about after in for you mm-hmm. And of course. Um, Yes, after this two race, if I try to analyze the, a bit these two race, uh, the performance that uh, I did uh, in UTMB is not comparable uh, with the performance that I did in hard work. Uh I I'm so happy about winning UTMB, but uh, but if I have the same uh, physical capacity as the UTMB, maybe I, I can put like at least one hour or less. Wow! So for sure. Because wow. uh, yes, in UTMB I, I have not, uh, I have not very good feeling. But uh, as with my experience and with uh, all the people around and mentally, uh, I finally, uh, it was possible to win. But uh, but for sure, I I don't have the same feeling that in hard work. In Iraq, I was able to push. When I want, I was able to run. When I want, yeah. I was a uh, yes, not tired at all. I was sloppy in UTMB. We play maybe too much with Jim in the first 80K, but <laughs> then after the last 80K was horrible for me. Yeah,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you arrived back in Chamonix in first place—something that the rest of us only dream about—and I'm curious to get an insight from you. Of course, that was your fourth victory at UTMB. You've won the grand raid four times. You've got the hard rock course record. You've won Madeira a couple of times. I mean, you've done so many great things, but you're also like so consistent. And I'm curious because to me, I think the mark of great champions is consistency and you're not only consistent across, you know, the mountain hundred mile races that you do, but I mean, you finished second at Western States, you finished second at the North face 50 mile championship back in the day, you finished second at Cape town. So those are kind of different courses. I just want to get your insight into what you attribute to your phenomenal consistency. Is it something about the balance in your lifestyle or the way that you train? How are you able to perform at such a high level with such consistency?
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, yes. I think it's very important for me to 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 have some big goals every year, and to really know at the start of the race why I'm here and if I'm really motivated about that. But I think for many runners it's the same, but uh, but for me I think it's uh, it's even more. I I don't choose a, a goal during the year. Uh, I choose a goal like two years two years before or three years before even. And and so for me, uh, I, I build this motivation in my head for at least one year or two years for, for hard work last year. For example, we wait to be at the start since two years and a half, I think. So when you were at the start, you really know why you are at the start. So for me, I think it's very important. And then, uh, and I think it's very, very important, but not just about winning and consistency and good performance, but about uh, the health of the athletes. Uh, I think it's very important to don't have many, many races. And I see so many athletes that they get burned. And for me, I, I choose maximum three big year races by year and maybe one project, but uh, it's maximum for me. And uh, it's the same since 10 years. So, yes, I try to push that. And I'm a bit stressful about some of the athletes, uh, I, I saw them. They are very good for two, three, four years, but then then they get a lot more and more and more injury and more uh, more dropout and something like that. And I think it's very important for uh, yes, like you, you are in the yeah, in the trialing world since many many years, and me too. And uh, I think because uh, yes, yeah, sometimes during six months you you don't you don't race too much and uh, and I think it's 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 a key you can you can rest you you can yes I think it's very important.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. So obviously you've been wildly successful in your career, but I'm sure people would love to hear about maybe a mistake that you've made or a failure that you've had? Like, what's a big mistake or failure that you've had in your career and what did you learn from it?
1: It's maybe when you, well, so yeah, at the, at the beginning of my career, sometimes I, um, I was not sure um, to choose that way or that way, so if it's my sponsor would choose that race and maybe not me. And the motivation at the start line is, of course, totally different. Yeah. So I, I did it in some race or in some projects. But uh, finally, uh, many times I was not able to start the race because I get injured before the race or I get injured just at the beginning of the race. So for me, it was my main mistake to to have not the, the confidence to say, oh, I, I have to choose my own race because it's my health it's my body it's my sport my passion and um, of course you have to choose some interesting race for your sponsor because uh, they need to have some visibility but um, if you make the choice to be sponsored it's, it's just to to make some international race and some big challenge. So I think it's it's compatible. But uh, yes, I I see many, many young athletes. Okay, I'm going there because my sponsor wants that I did this race or this race or this race. And I think it's not uh, not a good choice. And um, in short distance, sometimes it can be okay for one, two, three, four seasons. But in ultra-trade, I think it's not possible. If it's not your your own choice and your own things, I think you you cannot perform. So I think it was my main mistake. But uh, of course, I made some some small mistake like in Western States or my <laughs> first CCC I started really too fast and I was uh, I was leading the race like by twenty minutes and then I was fully crampy and I uh, was not able even to to pee and to drink and I was. Sitting on the top of the trailer, like, oh, what's happened to me? <laughs> but uh, yes, then, then you get some experience, and uh, and then it's better and better. But yes, of course, we have to do a lot of mistakes, otherwise, um, you cannot perform. Even last year in a hard work when I start uh, the passes in the storm, just in front of you, I was just in t-shirt. And I say, come on, why you don't change yourself? At the Dude, bottom, it was I, so warm, but I know that it will be cold. And I said, wow. Yeah, I mean, so what you're so it's referring a mistake, to... But for sure this year, I won't do this mistake, yeah?
0: Uh, yeah, so we'll get to that in a second. But what, what Francois is referring to is when we were going up handies about... 35 miles into hard rock this past year, he didn't bring a jacket with him. And that was the only section of the course where we experienced bad weather. And I had my jacket on with my hood up. I I even thought about getting my gloves out and I could see you going up the trail. You were like five minutes ahead of me. Of course, we're above tree lines. I could see you and you didn't have your jacket on. And I was like, he's going to, this is going to be Francois's mistake. Like this is going to be where I can take advantage of a small but maybe significant oversight. And then at the finish line, of course you beat me by an hour, but at the finish line, there's funny video of me saying to you, Did you get cold on handies? <laughs> and you're like, yes, yes, I got cold. I got cold. <laughs> so anyway. But it's
1: yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's a good point about just like listening to your motivation, picking your own races, not getting caught up in doing too much all great lessons for the next generation. So let's finish up by just kind of talking about this upcoming season. You just announced the calendar. Uh, you're going to be doing hard rock again. You're going to be doing the grand raid again. But before we talk about those races, I want you to tell the American audience about the Pyramenta, which is of course an iconic ski mountaineering race in Europe. I don't think many people who listen to the show will be familiar with the Pyramenta race. So why don't you give us uh, an insight into what that is and your history competing at it?
1: Yeah, Pyramenta uh, in France, it's uh, the 36th edition. So it's, uh, it's a very a mythical race. Uh, it's a, it's a four day race, it's four stage. Uh, it's uh, Totally it's 10,000 meters elevation gain in four days. So in Schemo, it's, uh, it's a lot. For people who practice tries, you will say, "Ah, oh, you can do it in one day. Yeah, of course, but uh, but in the world of skimo, it's, uh, it's a lot because normally, uh, yes, one classic World Cup, it's, uh, it's about 1,300 elevation games. So here it's every day more than 2,500 and it's four days consecutive. So it's a lot. And it's a team race and it's uh, off-piste and it's uh, it's very alpinistic so it's it's uh yes for me it's uh yes it's it's really the spirit of the of the of the skimo and it's very 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 nice race, so for me, I enjoy it because during winter yeah it's there's snow everywhere, so it's it's easier for me to to practice ski than running yeah. because I'd like to be at the summit but uh yeah yeah, since many years now many American runners uh yeah switch to skimo uh, during winter. Uh, I even discuss with Jim. It's a bit hard for him to, to practice ski, but I remember, uh, yes, yeah, some other American guy uh, they yeah. practice a lot schemo now. And uh, yeah, you made a, another podcast uh, with a young American guy. Yeah. He's very, very good in schemo, actually. Very Maybe good. not in descent, but uh, in ascent, he's very, very good. And uh, I met Cam like uh, two weeks ago and discussed oh. a bit with him. Yeah, cool. uh, I'm sure it's a, a really good potential and maybe he it will, it will be at Piramenta, no?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think he said that he had that on his calendar because he just came back from Europe and there was some North American races that he was going to be competing in. But yeah, shout out to Cam Smith, the American ski mountaineering champion who we just had on the show. I'm sure he'll be happy to hear that uh the great Francois Dane respects his capabilities on the skis. So, um, you know, of course we just mentioned that you're going to be returning to hard rock this year. You're going to be going in the clockwise direction. We went counterclockwise last year and the great Killian Jornet is coming back. Of course, Killian just made big news by leaving Solomon. You, uh, the brand that you guys both represented for a long time. I know you have a lot of, great respect for him. And I think the two of you competing together at Hard Rock is going to be must-see television for the rest of the trail running world. How are you thinking about Hard Rock before we finish up by talking about the Grand Raid?
1: I, th- I think for me, yes, it's very good to be able to to win with him and uh, and with some other athletes. But like I, I say to many people last year, um, competing with you last year was, I think... Uh, Maybe uh, one of my best, uh, like, uh, not competition, but my best uh, challenge because we were really, really close during like at least 20 hours. Mm. And uh, at the finish line, yes, there's a bit uh, of time between each other, but uh, during 20 hours, it was even less than five minutes. And for many people they say, "Yeah, the match with Kian is good, and the match with the other is good." But uh, in my career, uh, running without five minutes uh, with another athlete during 20 hours, it was ne- it's, it's never happened. So maybe it will be. A Maybe it's happened something this year with Kian at Hard Rock. But uh, yes, sometimes, uh, yeah, people they say there are so many, many athletes uh, in the UTMB. And yes, of course, but the competition for me in UTMB was not uh, as intense as in Hard Rock. Even if there's only 160 participants, for me it was uh, one of the best ways. Donc, uh, yeah. So I hope this year it will be a very good one with Kian. But uh, I don't know if it will be a competition one or if maybe we don't know what can happen. Maybe it will be so cold and maybe we we, we can be able to decide to run together. We don't know what can happen, and yeah, maybe it will be a good competition. But for sure, and. I think the most important for me is that we can share a good adventure. And yes, all the media, they say, it's a a big match, it's a big competition. But I think, I'm sure for Kiyan, it's the same as for me. The most important thing is to to take the start line of the hard work and to run together. And then we will see if if we have big competition or if we can, maybe we will just run together. We don't know.
0: Yeah, well, it'll be really fun. And hopefully I can be there in Silverton to watch the dramatic race unfold. Um, Of course, I went to the Grand Raid last year. You were uh, generous enough to provide an introduction to the race organization and they invited me over. And wow, what an amazing race that is. You're going to be returning to the Grand Raid for the sixth time this coming October for the 30th anniversary. Um, you know, you could talk a little bit about what the grand raid significant is, especially to the French trail running community. But also I I think in closing, we could talk about you just posted on your Instagram the significance or the importance to you of having different goals every year. And even though you've been to Hard Rock and you've been to the Grand Raid, you're very intentional about how you orchestrate your season. So maybe talk a little bit about the grand raid, but also the thought process that goes into how you decide which races you're going to do, Pyramenta, Hard Rock and the grand raid this year. Cause I think people would love to hear your perspective on how you choose your goals.
1: Yes. For me, it's a, it's a long time to, to create my calendar. And, uh, yes, I, I, discuss a lot with my, my wife, with my family, with my friends, with the different, uh, events that, there uh, they will be in during the year, social event and, uh, and many things. And then I have to feel something, uh, get motivation, and something different. And uh, yes, going going back to hard work for me is very important. But uh, then I want to have a different season than last year. And then then I have to want to have a, to take some time during the summer with the children and to to be able to go in the mountain and make some different things. And then in September, October, uh, yes, I think I will be able to train again and to have a, a very nice uh, training in the in the mountain over there to perform at Grand Red. And uh, yes, for me, Grand Red, it was uh, already four or five years ago. So, um, of course, I did it six times, but, uh, but yeah, Grand Red is very particular and as you can experience <laughs> it last year. Yes people are are very welcoming. it's very nice, very interesting and um and the race is incredible because the beginning it's warm then it's so cold then it's so warm and yes it's uh it's yes uh, the landscape are wonderful and so even if it's the sixth time for me, I'm so happy to to be at the beginning of this new season and uh and I think this is the key for me because if I if I have to go back again to UTMB and make exactly the same season as last year, I think my goal won't be won't be enough and won't be good. So that's why I, I try to choose something that's really different every year and for me it's important and yeah.
0: Yeah. Well again. Yeah, the, the Grand Raid was an amazing experience and I've talked at length about it on the podcast and I definitely encourage all the American listeners to check it out and put it on the long bucket lists of all the amazing races in the world and I hope to return someday probably won't be this year but to go have a a good performance.
1: Take take time to (laughs) (laughs) rigor.
0: Still traumatized from my run there. Well, uh, Francois, man, it's great to connect with you. It's great to chat. I appreciate your time coming on the podcast. Good luck at Pyramenta. I think it's next week. And uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing you here in the US in July
1: yes i hope to see you in july in silverton and uh, thank you very much for what you did for the traveling community and i will really hope to see you soon on the trail. and uh, yes i wish you a good day because for you it's uh, just uh, <laughs> the beginning of your day <laughs>
0: uh, time, time to go running all right man yes. thanks so much Thanks so much to Francois. What'd you guys think of the episode? I have to say after watching some of the Tokyo marathon action over the weekend, I kind of feel that Francois is the French trail version of Kipchoge, the Elliot Kipchoge of trail running, not only an amazing champion, but also a calm spirit and a semi-philosophical man of values. So cool to have him on the show. Let me know what you guys thought. Send me a message on Instagram or leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. Always love hearing what resonates with you and appreciate the feedback. A big thank you to Speedland, Inside Tracker, and Gnarly Nutrition for their generous support. Of the show. You can find links and discount codes in the show notes to take advantage of these amazing products. Again, the SLHSV, the new shoe from Speedland, is coming next week. So keep your eyes peeled there. Inside Tracker, an awesome company doing great things for the health of athletes i'm looking forward to taking my test here pretty soon and excited to share those results with you and of course gnarly nutrition the best nutrition products out on the market specifically for trail and mountain athletes and all nsf certified for sport so check out all those great brands really appreciate them believing in what we're trying to do here at Free Trail. We've got another Free Trail Friday this week with Brendan Madigan, the race director from Broken Arrow and one of the people who I really look up to as a business person and community leader. So tune in at noon Pacific time on the Free Trail YouTube channel for that conversation or listen to it when it hits the podcast feed. That's it for now. Thanks everybody for listening. Talk to you all very soon. Love you so much. Bye-bye.